This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. You know, with my background, like my ethnic background and culture, I just think I faced a lot of adversity at a young age and also being an athlete growing up. So I feel like I was in the phase of like going through stuff alone a lot. And so by the time it came to like doing a business and taking initiative, I was very used to that feeling like, okay, you have to take initiative. Like no one's going to help you and no one's going to make this easy and sweet for you. Right. Like I feel like I saw a lot of adversity at a young age. So that's why like I don't believe in work life balance because that is part of why there is a thing called Sunday scaries. Right. Like I think people get scared to go to work on Monday and they throw, oh, I have the Sunday scaries. Like I wish I could stay brunching and stay drunk on a Sunday. But I think that's the issue is like it's because you separate life and work too much. And I try to merge them into one. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Real Real podcast. Can you guys believe that it's almost August? Can you believe it? I am recording this on July 21st, this intro, and I'm not okay with that because that means that the summer is almost over and summer is my favorite season, not just because of the weather, because I'm a very strange person when it comes to weather. Anything below 70 is cold. Like it's, it's chilly for me. 70 and above is, is the weather that I thrive in. I mean, me and my boyfriend have a joke that like summer nat comes out like in the summer, I swear I have an alter ego or something because I just thrive in the heat. And obviously like, yes, sometimes the heat is uncomfortable, but I really, really do love it. And I prefer it any day over like chilly weather. Summer is my favorite season. And I can't believe that it's almost August already. I feel like that is just not okay. The summer has absolutely flown by. I mean, I think it's a good thing because that means that, you know, things have been going on. I mean, in my personal life, there has been so much going on. And I think there is a great energy in the air. I feel like people are traveling again. People are going out. They're seeing each other. Like, it's a good energy here. And I am very, very happy this time of year. But it makes me sad to see that it's it's going by so quickly. But I guess that's a good thing about living in Florida is does summer really ever end? You let me know. Does it ever end? I don't know. I don't know if it does. I don't think it does. It's going to be my first full year in Florida. I usually actually go to Florida every single winter. So I do spend my winters in Florida for at least a few weeks to a month. I know last year I spent a month down there and my family goes every year for Christmas, but it's different. It's it's definitely different. So I'm, I'm feeling very positive. I'm very happy in the summer. So summer not is here. Uh, I've personally been very inspired lately, and a big part of that is honestly due to all of the conversations that I've been having on the podcast. I have recorded so many episodes. I don't think you're ready for them. Actually, you better be ready for them, but I've recorded a lot of episodes. I'm very, very booked out. I just got super, super inspired, and I was like, let me record with every person that I want to record with, and I've been recording podcast left and right. And they are such amazing episodes coming up. Like I don't think you guys understand how excited I am for them. I feel like I'm one of those people that like, I, I just want to release them all at once, but I know that I can't do that. So I hope that you guys are getting just as excited as I am. But today's episode, especially I'm excited for, I'm so stoked for you to hear Emily Duong. Emily is one of my really good friends. She actually came to visit me in Miami or I guess not visit me, but she was in Miami and we hung out and 
it was my first night out in Miami and we definitely had a lot of fun. It's going to sound really funny. So, all right, this was our night. We started out at Komodo, which is a restaurant, also kind of turns into a club at night. So it's like a three-story, really bougie restaurant in Miami. Um, you know, you it's the place that you go to like see famous people. I feel like we saw when we were there, like Francesca from Too Hot to Handle was there. She came in with her like little dog. <laughs> Um, but you know, you go, you go to see people. And of course we can never forget the most famous person that we saw there was Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. He was there. Emily and I were about to pitch to him. Um, when we got to his table, he had already left, but you know, he could have heard the Rella pitch there, but (laughs) we started the night out at Komodo and then we ended up going to Socialista. So Socialista is a bar downstairs below like Chichonis, Chichonis, as I say it, Chichonis, really famous restaurant in Miami. We ended up going there, which honestly the vibes were pretty good. I really do like it. And that's another place that a lot of, I guess, like people go to. When we went there that same night, we ended up seeing like Sierra Furtado and like all of her friends. I'm personally not like friends with them or anything like that, but we did end up seeing them there. Um, and they don't know who I am. So <laughs> It might be weird saying this. Is that weird saying? I don't know. But we ended up seeing them there and then um, just from like a distance. And it was a really fun bar. I'm not going to lie. I actually had so much fun there. I thought it was it was really fun and the music was good, but not something that you would go to every week. You know what I'm saying? And then from there, we were feeling bold and adventurous. And Emily knows Miami a little bit better than me, which is sad because I'm actually from there. But she knows like the going out scene better there. And we ended up going to Eleven, which, by the way, I did not know was a strip club. I did not know it was a strip club even when I was in it. Like that's how much I didn't know it was a strip club. Like I did not realize that. It's like I saw that it was a 24-hour club. I was like, what the heck is this? So we ended up going there and we ended up going like where like the dance floor was. So I didn't see that it was a strip club. Um, and I feel so stupid saying that because now looking back, I'm like, um, duh, it was, but like, I wasn't like upstairs or anything like that. I was just down there and we ended up, there was like a bachelor party there and they were like, Hey, like we have a table, but like we spent so much money, like, please feel free to just like have a few drinks here if you want. Um, you don't even have to hang out with us. You can just have a few drinks and go. Like we just like spent too much money on alcohol. But by that point I was like done drinking. I was not drinking anymore. So I was out for the count on that one, but It was interesting, definitely. Um, I don't know how long we ended up staying there for, not too, too long. We kind of snuck in with a table. Like, it's actually so funny looking back. There was like a table that was going in in front of us, like a big, big group. And we were like, let's just like tag along with this table to like just get in. Like the table did not know we were tagging along with them, but we just ended up going in with them, which is really, really funny. Um, And I feel like this is kind of a really long story, Um, but we ended up doing that and it was really, really fun. So we ended up going there, they ended up leaving and then I took an Uber home. And at one point in the night, we stopped by Liv for like five seconds and kind of took a lap and, and left. But yeah, that was our night together. And it was my first night out in Miami living there, which was really fun. Um, It was a Thursday night. So, you know, it was fun, but can't wait for Emily to come back. Yeah, she's one of my good friends, like I said. I feel like I took you on a journey through Miami with us, but besides that, Emily and I, I feel like are extremely, extremely similar. I feel like when you talk to one of us, it's like you're talking to the same person. We're extremely similar. I feel like we have a lot of the same interests and also we have a lot of the same like values, especially when it comes to like working and like work-life balance and you'll definitely see it here. I ended up interviewing Emily 
on my podcast and then the next hour she interviewed me on hers so that episode should already be up yet if not it'll be up soon maybe check back tomorrow but I am so excited for you to hear it because it was one of the ones that like I didn't want the episode to end like I feel like it was one of those that I recorded for a really long time I kept asking her questions there was so much value that was coming out of it that I did not want it to end like I could have sat there for another three hours talking to her because you really are getting a glimpse into what it's like when me and her just chat like it just felt like we were at dinner at Komodo talking because these are the things that we talked about when we were together too so I absolutely loved this conversation she is one my favorite people and I'm so excited that I got to interview her on my podcast it's super super valuable and you guys are going to love it and it's one of those things when you you know when you meet someone and you feel like you've been friends your whole life that's exactly what happened when I met Emily for the first time we connected over social media and we were super aligned in our values you know you're guys you're gonna see it here and she also loves music so we connected over you know our favorite music and artists and I told her she needs to take me to like the house music scene in Miami because I definitely want to check that out and Emily truly is a Jill of all trades who not only started a creative agency but she also DJs First of all, let's talk about how cool that is. She has her own podcast and she runs a figure skating clothing company. She actually technically started her first business when she was in fifth grade, which you guys, you guys will listen, but she sold erasers to her classmates. She is a true entrepreneur to her core. In high school, she began designing figure skating dresses with inspiration coming from her own experience as a competitive athlete and her mom's incredible sewing skills. So shout out to moms. Emily still runs this company and continues on her journey to find her groove as a creative entrepreneur. And we share a similar story about like trusting our instincts, quitting our nine to five corporate jobs to chase our own business dreams. But I I, stay tuned. If you're tired of the whole like, oh, I'm tired of everyone telling me to quit my job. That's not what this episode is. I promise you. Emily is the founder of Lo Chaton Co., which is a creative social agency that helps brands connect with their audience through visual storytelling and content strategy. And she truly is, I promise, I'm not just saying this, one of the most inspiring people I have ever met. And she's a returning guest. If you haven't tuned into her first episode, she actually used to have a co-host for her podcast. Um, Sienna and Marabella was her co-host. So if you guys want to check out that episode, you guys can do that too. But this one was just so great getting a deep dive into Emily's life and her whole journey. So in today's episode, we talk about knowing your value and understanding your stance. We also talk about how gaining sales experience can enhance your business, what it was like to face adversity as a young entrepreneur, and how to eliminate the Sunday scaries, because I think we all need some of that. And her tips are great. I know that you guys are going to love this episode. Also, if you can relate to anything in this episode, please share it on our social media. So on Instagram, follow us along on the podcast. And also, I mean, if you guys have been out in Miami and didn't know 11 was a strip club either, please let me know because I cannot believe I, I can't be the only one. I, I should have (laughs) known. I should have known when they were throwing dollar bills in the air and I was literally bent down on the floor, picking them up. Send me home, send me home then when I'm doing that when I am on the floor at a club picking up dollar bills. Anyways, (laughs) off topic, but anyways, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. I know that you guys will. I know you guys are going to want her on again. I mean, I already want her on again. So let me know what you think. Stay tuned for the episode and I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. 
Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tip are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked. (laughs) I know we've been planning this for some time. We've been rescheduling. So I am very happy that we were finally able to do this. And you're one of my favorite people to talk to just about life. Like, I feel like we think a lot alike. We have a lot of the same interests. So I love chatting with you about honestly anything. And like when you came to Miami, it was so much fun. So I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. 
<laughs> Me too. Thank you. Yeah, there's nothing better than just like meeting people through social media and like finding out you're very like minded and then just being able to hang out from there. So I'm glad we connected. What was that like a little over a year ago or so pre pandemic? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to start with setting the record straight. This is some stereotypes and assumptions, but you've been on my podcast before. So you know what it's like. So we're just going to get into it. The first one is you need a routine to be productive. I disagree with that one. I think um, it's to each their own. Each person like needs to understand themselves and then, you know, build off from that. Yeah, I see for me, I need a routine to be productive, but I guess it depends on like how you are, you know, like maybe you don't need a routine, but like I personally am like so driven on routine that I don't understand people who aren't. But like my boyfriend, for example, has no routine. Like he doesn't have a morning routine. He doesn't have a night routine. And I'm like, I don't know how you get anything done. Like I need those times to myself and like that structure. Yeah, I'm actually the same way. I'm very much like you. I need a routine, but I've learned to like understand other people like, okay, maybe you don't need one to like produce the same results as me. So I guess it's like, each person just needs to be aware of like how they function and like the best environment for them to function for productivity. Yeah, definitely. And the next one is that working for yourself is better than working for a corporation. Also definitely like depends on the person. Like I know so many friends that 100% need like someone to tell them what to do to give them the structure. And those are great people that, you know, I love working with like on my team or like when I build out my team later on too is like I love having people that want that but for my personality um, I'm very like individualistic I love being able to you know have my own personal freedom be able to wake up at any time I want to and decide on my own day but with that you have to be very disciplined because you are your own boss so there are pros and cons to each but I think both are great depending on the type of person you are yeah I completely agree with that because like if I'm hiring someone, I obviously want them to be able to like work under someone or, you know, be told what to do and stuff like that. But I love how you're like structuring these answers is like, okay, for me, this is how it is, but I understand it's not for everyone. I might fall into this, but I think that a lot of people like push entrepreneurship or push, you know, working for yourself as like the dream life. And although I personally believe that for my own life, I think that it's can be harmful when it's like, everyone thinks that they have to like run a business because there's also some joy in working for someone else and, you know, having your your benefits and having your time off when you need it and, you know, not working like, I don't know, like uh, 80 hours a week, like, you know, just like a nine to five job. I think there's a lot of benefits and like joy to that depending on who you are as a person. But I do think today it's like so pushed upon to like, you have to like be your own boss and like be an entrepreneur and like hustle. And that's not for everyone. Like, it's really not. Yeah, it, it definitely isn't. And and I love like having friends that are in a different space outside of entrepreneurship as well, because it a helps keeps me in check, right? Like, I think every, with entrepreneurship, and we're by ourselves all the time, that we can get caught up in our own world, and it can kind of get hard. So I love seeing both sides and like, you know, maneuvering and, and pivoting, like as you know, our industry changes as well. Yeah, totally. And the next one is that balance is a myth. That one I do agree with. I do think it's a myth in the sense that I don't believe in work-life balance because that is part of why there is a thing called Sunday scaries, right? Like I think people get scared to go to work on Monday and they throw out, oh, I have the Sunday scaries. Like I wish I could stay brunching and stay drunk on a Sunday. 
But I think that's the issue is like, it's because you separate life and work too much. And I try to merge them into one. Like, I know this is very out there, but like, even when we were in Miami, like my dream, I told you is like to be in the music industry and all that. And how cool would it be to like, actually, you know, have clients or, um, you know, work with people in that industry that are also like my friends, maybe they're not like the closest friends, but they're still people that I consider friends. And I'll still go to dinners with go to meetings with. To me, that's like a dream is to be able to combine that all into one. I know, I actually think that can work in nine to five as well. Um, That's for sure. I think much easier in entrepreneurship, but in a nine to five, I do think there is a way to merge it into one because how miserable is it that you only live for the weekends and Monday through Friday sucks? Right. Okay. I keep saying like, I love your answers, but I actually think that that is like the first time I've ever heard it put that way in the sense of like, you're not actually trying to separate it that much because then I do think it's when people have extremes, you know, it's like, all right, on the weekend, I'm going to go so hard and I'm going to, you know, not care about anything and I'm just going to go wild. And then, then you kind of like crash and burn in both ways or you like work yourself to the ground and you you don't have fun and you don't enjoy your life and like then you get burnt out. So it happens both ways. And that's interesting because like I think I merge my life and work sometimes too much where I'm like, OK, I would like a little bit of a separation because like my work is literally my life with putting myself on the Internet. But I think that there is a way to like overlap it without having it be like too much, you know, because I do think like boundaries are important, but you shouldn't have to separate it completely. Like, I don't think that's necessary either. And like you said, you, you're going to get burnt out. Like you said, like the Sunday scaries that happen. <laughs> yeah. Like I also just try to think like, how can I make Monday more similar to Saturday, you know? And then also that's part of why I don't um, mind working on the weekends. I'm sure you're like that as well, where you'll still pop into your emails or do something maybe like only for a couple hours. But I find that enjoyable because then it's like, you don't always have to be like, yes, it's Friday. I can do nothing. You know, like I wish I, how nice is it now? And I think again, because of remote work, nine to five people can do this more now is like they can have more of it merge in where they're like, yeah, like I can still catch up on some emails on Saturday. And it's not a big deal because I still was able to stay out late on Thursday, you know, and then go out with friends. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that is something that is going to be more acceptable in the next five years. And and I'm a big advocate for it. So I, I do think it can bring less stress on people when they realize like, yeah, like I, I love my coworkers. Like <laughs> they actually go for drinks with them and things like that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so, so true. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way where on the weekends, I usually do this on Sundays, I'll like schedule out my next week and I'll like look to see what I have going on. And like, if there's anything I can wrap up or make the next week ahead easier, if I have time, I'm like, okay, let me just do it on a Sunday. And I never mind it. You know, I'm like, it, honestly, like I'm not doing anything anyways. Like I don't hate what I do. So like, it's totally fine, you know, and it's going to like save me time during the week. So yeah, I'll do it on a Sunday. So yeah, I definitely do that like almost every single weekend. I try having some time on Sunday if I have time to like kind of catch up and kind of organize the next week ahead. But like if I don't, I don't stress over it either. And I want to know a little bit more about you. So for anyone on the podcast that's listening, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yes. Okay, so I was originally from a very small town in Pennsylvania. Uh, fun fact about that, I actually grew up in the Amish capital of America. No one ever really knows that about me. Um, I grew up literally like in a town of 8,000 people in Lancaster County, but also I went to Taylor Swift's rival high school. That's also a fun fact. Another claim to fame. and <laughs> Just throwing it out there. That's really the only relevant things about my town. It's really that small. But 
Um, growing up, I was a competitive figure skater for about, you know, 12, 13 years. I was also a USTA ranked tennis player. So I was just a competitive athlete. That's my main background. And then when I was 18, I moved out to Southern California, went to college, studied communication and business, graduated from Chapman um, in 2019. And then I moved to LA after that. And then kind of during college and just being out in Southern California, I was able to pursue more of like a creative route. Um, you know, I've always been a creative and with figure skating, I actually started a, a custom figure skating dress business when I was 17. I started on eBay back then that was eBay was really popular for like e commerce, but you know, pre Shopify and all that. And so I started there. Um, obviously, I was young. So I was just learning, you know, how to do business, right. But I think anything with business, it's a lot of trial and error. So that's what I learned from 17. Um, and then by the time I was a junior in college, I got more serious with it. I was like, okay, how can I actually make this a, you know, pretty good income for me post college? And so that's when I started expanding into wholesale, um, you know, going obviously direct to consumer on my own e-commerce uh, website, but then also going to pitch to literally like pro shops at ice rinks and saying, Hey, my products would be great in your store, all that. So that's how I expanded that business. After college, I worked in a nine to five. I worked in sales for um, a little over a year. So from like pre-pandemic through uh, this past April. And then in April, I left my nine to five. I went on to start a little boutique creative marketing agency, as you know, um, just doing like branding strategy, all that for small businesses. And then also I have my own little podcast called What Fulfills You. So that's a little spiel about me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I mean, I love your podcast. And also I think that everything that you do is so like driven, like goal driven, I guess, or not. I don't even know if it's goal driven, but it's like you were looking at the bigger picture. Like you, I feel like you do so many things that are like you really think about your future and like how that kind of fits into place with it, which I think that's what makes us also really, really similar. But you're so entrepreneurial, I feel like. And like, how was that reflected when you were a child? Like, did you want to be a business owner? Or were you like, I want to be a pro figure skater? Like what, what was kind of like your dream life, I guess, when you were a kid? I think as a kid, I was always like, why is it that someone always has to tell me what to do? Right? Like, <laughs> and it was, wasn't because I was just a rule breaker. But I literally always thought like, like, how does that make sense? Like, there might be like a teacher that says like, do this, right? Or like, maybe one of my parents be like, oh, do this. I'd be like, why? And they'd be like, because we told you so. And as a kid, I've always been like, why? Like, what, but what if this way is more effective? They'd be like, oh, you still can't do it that way because we said to do it this way, right? So I think that stimulated the entrepreneurial side of me. Like, I find doing it this way more effective and even better socially. Why can't we approach it this way? So I think that was the start. And then as a kid, like in elementary school, my first little business was selling um, erasers. I literally sold cap erasers <laughs> to my fifth grade classmates. I literally asked my dad and it was like, what, three bucks from Walmart, like a, a pack of cap erasers. I would draw a little heart or smiley face on it and I would sell it for like 15 cents each or like a dollar for like five or something literally and I would kind of, so it's, almost, it's really embarrassing I'd go around to my classmates and be like hey do you need to like refill your copy <laughs> so that was me when I was like nine years old and little did I know that I would just do that you know for the rest of my life like learning I just loved selling it's kind of like Gary Vaynerchuk who loves to like sell garage sale like I loved that like to me it was like it was really fun and so I still look at it as as that pretty much as selling and like creating a product that's effective for other people in their life was that like eraser business successful? Like did a lot of kids in your 
<laughs> class by them. Honestly, by them. it was. And yes, yes, I'm surprised because it was literally a bullshit smiley face. Like <laughs> I was like, you know, I was just drawing it with my pen. They could have done the same thing. But um, I think it was the way I pitched it to my classmates. I'm like, yeah, like you can get like five. Like these are super great. Like, you know, just pop it on your pencil, whatever. I don't know what I was doing, but I was a sneaky kid. And then I think later on I got in trouble by my teacher. They're like, Emily, you can't do this. That is hilarious. Were your parents supportive in that? Like not only just this little makeshift business that you had, but also just in your like ability to challenge the rules. Like I'm sure that got you in a lot of trouble. It did. Growing up with like Asian parents, it was a little harder. Like they liked that I was smart and sharp and can think for myself. But my mom especially was like, you know, okay, try to stay out of trouble, try to maybe fit in a little bit more. Uh, With my dad, he was always like, oh, yeah, like, you know, as long as it works for you, and you can, you know, for example, in today's at 24, he's like, as long as you can fund your life, like, that's okay with me. And my mom's a little bit more like, worried. And 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 it's very typical for like my background and my culture is like to fit in and assimilate more with everyone and be a little bit more homogeneous, I think. Um, but I think over time, as I've been able to like prove like, okay, this is, you know, some results like, you know, and they're like, okay, that's fine. Um, but I do remember like, in middle school, I had another business, I made custom high waisted denim shorts. And I used to like, do like the ombre or like the dyes or whatever and bleach them. And it was really cool. I learned I would go to Goodwill, I'd like, cut the shorts myself, Um, I'd fray them and all that. And my mom would like complain that it was like, Oh, that's too much work. Like you're doing too much, you know, handwork. And and, and I guess, looking back now, she's really telling me you should outsource that like, you know, you shouldn't be doing all the handwork yourself. But again, I think it was a really fun experience, because I loved it so much. I got so excited. Every time I got an order, I'd go to Goodwill and like, you know, do all the fraying and the cutting myself and then, you know, pack it up and ship it to them. So that was really fun. That's so cool. And was that on eBay also like the, the shorts? Or how did you get sales? That was on eBay. Um, and yeah, it was, it was at the time it was like, or it was eBay and Big Cartel. I think that was the website. Yeah, it was way back in like Tumblr days and, yeah. and similar age. So like, it was very popular, like those high waisted, like custom shorts. I remember. Well, for, <laughs> forever. <laughs> I, I was like 14 or something. And I was like, why can't I do this myself? And that's literally just what I did. And I was like, all right, who wants these? I think I sold them like $55 each, which... Yeah, I think my margin was like, I don't know, I think it was cost the cogs was probably like $20 or something total. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I feel like that's just like, you're one of those people that's like, oh, I can do this. Okay, let me do it. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's not just like, oh, I wish I could do it. It's like, oh, no, I can like, let me just put it out there. Is that kind of what happened with like your figure skating business? But I mean, that actually you still even have today. So kind of how did you get your start in that? And like, why do you think that was the one that like you still even have today? Like what kind of made that one stick? Yeah. So my mom started like making my dresses when I was a skater to help save money because figure skating dresses are very expensive and the sport itself is very expensive. Like lessons with your private coach is usually for like an hour lesson, maybe like $80 an hour. It ranges, especially top level skaters. And at the time I was like, you know, training three, four hours a day. Um, so it's a very competitive and expensive sport. Think like college tuition per year. Like that's wow. cost. Yeah. Um, and so my mom was trying to be savvy was saving money and, and, and finding ways to like get my dresses made. And then she ended up making a tiny business out of that. And then when I was 17, lo and behold, I was like, I think I can do this better. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay, mom, can you like, you know, teach me like, how do I get this outsourced, whatever. And then I started designing my own 
dresses. Um, and then that's when I took pictures on like a camera and I would just post it on eBay. Um, and I think what made me really want to pursue it long-term was I realized, well, A, I'm really savvy for like a businesswoman, if you will. And I realized like I had such a strong connection with skating with which most dressmakers don't because A, I was young. I was still in the skating world. I was coaching all of college. I coached figure skating. I did private lessons, group lessons, all that. And I, I had such a strong connection that I understood both the primary and secondary consumer, which is the parent paying for the dress and the skater wearing it. So I knew there was such an advantage for me to stay in the market. And it's such a niche market too. So to like come in and be more of a brand and a community mm -hmm. instead of like a dressmaker, like boutique style business, I realized like I could really take a lot of the market. So that's kind of what I worked on and have been scaling ever since. Where are you at now with that business? Like, do you sell in stores? Are you do you have like a Shopify site? Are you still on eBay? You know, like where, where is it at with that? Yeah, I have some still on eBay. It's like usually just inventory dresses. If I leave it on, it's usually because they're maybe like sale dresses, to be honest. But um, other than that, most of my items, both dresses and accessories like gloves, uh, they are in stores. And then I also do a lot of, you know, direct to consumer with like custom dresses. So it goes both ways. And um, I stay in stores as well, because even though it cuts into my margin, I also don't spend any money on marketing or advertising for the reason that A, it is such a niche sport and market that I don't need to. Secondly, being in stores is already like my marketing tactic as well. And the Instagram, because all these skaters are scrolling and being like, mom, look at this dress. I want that. Or look at the girl wearing it. So um, I understand the psychology of how they're thinking. And, and I've been able to really scale that out. Yeah. And how did you get so confident in like running these businesses, starting these, having even the confidence to start something like do you attribute your confidence to anything or is there, are there any like tips that you do or it's just like, you've always been that way? Um, I have to be honest. Like I think like growing up in, you know, with my background, like my ethnic background and culture, I just think I faced a lot of adversity at a young age and also being an athlete growing up. So I feel like I was in the phase of like going through stuff alone a lot. And so by the time it came to like doing a business and taking initiative, I was very used to that feeling like, okay, you have to take initiative, like no one's going to help you and no one's going to make this easy and sweet for you, right? Like, I feel like I saw a lot of adversity at a young age. The first store that I got a partnership with to get my dresses and gloves in, I, she didn't respond to like six of my emails. And one day, um, she's in Anaheim, California near Disneyland. It's a big store. And I was like, all right, I'm going to bring a couple of my dresses in and just like see if she's there that day. It was a Saturday. And I walked in, I'm like, hi, you know, my name is so-and-so. I've been emailing you. Like, I think we'd be great to partner and like put our dresses in your stores. And I wanted you to see some of this in person. Um, and I just think like, do like, just, the, just putting yourself out there and practicing, even when you're really scared. I think for me, that's what got me through it is just being like, if you don't do it, the alternative is no, right? Like, or the alternative mm -hmm. is like, for me, even with my creative marketing agency for me is like the alternative is staying in your nine to five that you're low key starting to hate. So um, for me, I just have to weigh out the pros and cons and just be like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, um, but I think confidence is really built by practicing. So like, you know, for me being on ice every day training, that's where the confidence is built is like in practice behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I, I love that piece of advice. And I always say that like, instead, like, what's the worst that can happen? Exactly what you're doing. You know, like the worst that happens is like, 
you don't quit your job and you stay there and you're already at that point. So why not try something else? And I always think like a lot of things are not permanent. You know, it's like (laughs) if you decide to take a leap and it fails or you start a business and it doesn't do well, okay, you learned and you, you can always apply for jobs again. You can always, you know, like you can always go back to whatever it is that you were doing. You can always find something else. Like I think that yes, have a plan. I'm not someone that's like, just quit. And like, doesn't matter. You know, like I'm definitely someone that like, I had a financial plan. It was like, I need to save this much amount of money before I do something, you know, and I advise everyone to do that. But I also think that you shouldn't have that much fear because the worst that can happen is like literally what you're, you already are, because it's not like, okay, let's say you've started a business and it fails. That's it. Your life is over. Like you pick yourself back up and you, you find another solution. So that's kind of how I've always viewed life. And like, people are always like, oh, were you nervous when you quit your job? And I was like, honestly, like, I wasn't nervous because yeah, I had a plan, which was great. But that plan was really only going to last like a few months if I ended up failing. So the other alternative would be like, yeah, I'd, I'd go back and I'd get another job. Like if I had to, like, I'm not above that. Or, you know, like, I think that that's totally fine, too. But at least I tried. Like, that's kind of the mentality that I have. And I'm the same way too. Like I've always said it to my friends, like, you know, it's up and down. Like I'm only 24, like, you know, being in my twenties, I'm still very young. And I think there's a lot to learn from like other jobs or working for other people. So again, I agree. I'm I'm definitely not above that either. And it's very hard and risky, but something that I always, um, you know, listen to with Gary Vaynerchuk, he's always said like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You can always go back and get a job. You know, you can always go work for someone else. You can always go find another job, but you know, you don't, you can't always like take the same kind of risk when you're, you know, 35, 40, 50 versus 25, you know? Um, so again, I think it's all calculated risk. And and I do agree with the little financial plan in, in a sense. I, I think I was a little bit less structured because I, I was like, you know, sometimes you just have to jump um, a little right. before you're 100% ready. But I do think that is something everyone should keep in mind if they're taking a jump um, and it's going to affect their finances is to like at least know what are the potential options and you know where you're at financially and and some people might not think ahead like that too so that's important yeah and i mean you had a corporate job and you had quit that so what was that like for you for like entering into the corporate world how was that experience and then when did you decide like okay i'm going to try to do my own thing mhm i was really excited to go into corporate i i loved the idea of like dressing up wearing blazers and you know i worked in sales um so that was a really fun environment for me because i worked with a lot of guys um and you know if you ever watched wolf of wall street the energy with my team specifically was very similar to that it was all guys either they were previously in fraternities in college or they were athletes um, from college. So they just had this like big guy energy. It was so fun for me. Um, I think with that job, it's much better to be in person than remote. I think it depends on the industry you're in, whether remote is better. But I think for that, being in person was better. I think when it came to like being competitive, I was just very, I, I took initiative like both on LinkedIn and my resume made sure that was always really, you know, clear and clean to the recruiters and employers. When it came to quitting though, it came at a point when, you know, during the pandemic, I was like, okay, I'm starting to lose a lot of fulfillment in this. And there's always going to be ups and downs like there always is. But I think at that moment, it was already a couple months in when I started the creative marketing agency. And I realized, okay, if you want to actually scale this out, you have to jump at some point, you can't be in your full time job, you know, and have potential clients look at your LinkedIn being like, are you still working a nine to five, but like you're running an agency. So Mm -hmm. once I had like, 
I ideally wanted, you know, four clients before I quit, but I ended up actually only having two when I left and um, which was, you know, definitely sufficient for me. So I was like, okay, that's fine. But um, that was an example, like financially, was it like, you know, double or triple what I wanted? It wasn't, but I was like, actually, I think I have to leave though, in order to get to that point in or numbers point um, relating to my clients and all that. So I think I have to say, like, when it came to quitting, it was a little bit more of a gut feeling. It was just like, I think now's the time. And it's interesting, because I'm not really a gut feeling person um, outside of relationships. I think I'm a little bit more logical in that sense. I'm usually like, all right, get this number, and then this number, and then you know, you can leave. And I think there's a lot of people in our industry and entrepreneurship that are like that. But I realized it's just something that was like instinctive. I was like, this is the time leave it this month. I had it in my calendar. I wrote last day at, you know, my company, I told certain people to hold me accountable. And so it was, I started to manifest it pretty much. I love that. And are you a structured person in that sense? Like, did you have a plan when you quit? Or like, were you like, okay, this is what I want to do next? Like, this is the plan I'm going to have? Or was it kind of like, I'm going to quit and then I'm going to see like, where I go from there? I definitely had a plan. Um, and I shared with my dad too, because I was like, he was really concerned. He's like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, yeah. How were your parents? <laughs> my, so to be transparent, like I told my dad beforehand, knowing that he'd be okay, as long as he like saw the plan and be like, all right, you know, thumbs up. My mom, on the other hand, I did. She actually found out through my podcast. Um, no way. She had a hunch at like, within like a couple of weeks, but she like, you know, I was kind of very vague with her about it. And again, to be transparent, I'm vague with her because like I've just learned she can have certain reactions. And I think it's very natural for any parent to worry. I give them that. I think it's very natural. But um, I learned from other entrepreneurs is like, you know, maybe don't share with them right away, you know, and stay focused in your own lane, build that out. So then by the time they do find out, or by the time they are freaking out, you have so much results to show them that their worry and their anxieties like doesn't apply anymore. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So that's what I was trying to do is like, build out what I was doing. So that by the time my mom was like, gonna freak out, I'd be like, well, look, here it is though, like, I'm doing just fine, you know? So she's she's been fine. and, And she still has a little bit of a hard time understanding what like a creative marketing agency is. But you know, I think that's, that's essentially what I did was I planned it out like, okay, this is what you're gonna do in May and June and all that. And what was your plan? Like, can you walk us through like what you were what you were gonna do in like May, June, like the months leading up to it? So um, I don't know if you ever read the book Four hour work week. No, I've heard I need to read it, though. Yeah, it's a great book. And I'm not and I would say reading that book was the final like light bulb moment for me to be like, okay, you have to leave this month. So I think what what my issue was, I gave myself a little bit too long of time before quitting. I had told myself sometime in spring, and I always heard from other people, you should give yourself an actual date, right? So like a goal without a deadline is, what's that quote? You know what I'm talking about? It's like something is just a... I forgot how you finished the sentence, but I know what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, basically, like you should have a deadline, right? And so I read about Parkinson's Law, something Tim Ferriss had faced during his time at Princeton where he needed an extension on an essay. His, his, he only had 24 hours to complete it. His professor smiled at him and said, no, you don't need the extension. And later on, he learned that Parkinson's law, which is what the professor was forcing him to apply, is when you have a short deadline, you will be more laser focused in that time frame to complete it. So it's like, okay, if you know you have an essay due next Friday, you're going to procrastinate. That's just human instinct. So that's why I was like, oh, Emily, you have to quit in two weeks. You have to land X amount of clients in this amount of time. And to my surprise, because I put so much pressure on myself with this deadline, um, 
I like was able to get out and was like, all right, I'm financially ready because I was fine. But I gave myself a shorter deadline. Like the months leading up to it, I wasn't like necessarily financially ready in that sense. But within like a three week period, I suddenly was because I was so strict with the deadline. So then um, same thing. So like came May, I was like, I just wanted to land like a certain new client, you know, not necessarily every month, but in a certain period of time, I would give myself specific deadlines by the time I would need this completed or this client. And I think my best advice with a plan is if you're not a type of person to plan, or if you can't think of like the next quarter, at least think of short deadlines. Like if you think you're going to give yourself one month, give yourself two weeks. I swear mm-hmm. you can complete the same thing in two weeks, maybe even one week. I'm not even joking. Like I, I decided, I think on like April 2nd that I was going to leave on April 30th, but then I ended up quitting on April 21st. So I ended up quitting in a three weeks period, but I had only mentally decided I was leaving like three weeks before. So more, most people would be like, all right, I'm going to give myself a month to two months. No, 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 it's way too long. I can assure you, like you can do it under that time if you put yourself under that pressure. I mean, that's incredible. I feel like when you do have pressure, you realize how much you can accomplish also because there's some weeks where like I have a jam-packed week and I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to get this all done? And I just end up getting it done. Like you just do it. Like it just happens because you have to especially with deadlines. So like, I think that even if I don't put those deadlines on myself, it's like not the ones I gave myself, but it's like, oh my God, a sponsored thing is due or I have to do this or I have to do that. You know, it's like, there's so much like that, that I'm like, oh crap, like I have to do that. So I think that for, for me, I think I don't put deadlines and pressure on myself, but I think it's something I should probably start implementing because like you said, it makes you so much more effective. So when you did start like your creative agency, did all your deadlines kind of work out? Like, did you get the amount of clients that you said? And how did you do that? Like, I want to know how you got your clients. Like, do you have a pitch deck that you walk people through? Do you email people? Do you cold call people? Do you show up at their door? Like, what do you do? What do you- yeah, I would say it's very, I'm very grateful for having a sales background. I think that literally covers everything entrepreneurship entails. Like you literally do the whole thing and obviously it involves like the skill aspect too. So with creative marketing, I should be able to do the branding, the photography, all everything that I say. But in order to close someone, I have to sell them on why it's me, right? Um, right. So I, I've done it all. I, I've cold emailed. Um, I For my agency, I don't necessarily cold call, but I wouldn't be scared to because I've done so much of that in my nine to five. Like I would get so many people that would swear at me. Um, and I would definitely recommend like, this sounds ballsy, but showing up to people's like actual, um, you know, business, whether it's like a coffee shop or a nail salon, whatever that may be. Like, I think, being in person does make a difference when you're pitching something to someone. I always keep it very brief. Like I think most people think like you need to keep a formal email. Of course, mine is professional and formal, but I get straight to the point because A, if you're pitching to someone, they're like the first 30 seconds or even first 10 seconds, they're like, if you're wasting my time, they're going to click out of the email. Um, but I think it's mostly like what's in it for me. So you have to like look at it from like the business owner standpoint, like what am I going to gain by giving you the time of day to like take a call with you or even like bring you in with my business, right? Like what value are you bringing to me? Um, And I apply that in even like normal relationships. It's like, what are you bringing that really like helps enhance someone's life? So I keep it that simple. Like instead of like pitching this whole, like, you know, the way maybe people would pitch in like a series A, you know, like I would just keep it really simple, more human to human and being like, look, this is where you're lacking in your business. And these are the three things that I would incorporate. If you work with me, let's just like take a quick call. 
So that's usually what I did, but it's like a lot of trial and error. Like I'm talking like, you know, you can send like a hundred emails, maybe get like one response. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like not that easy. Yeah. Oh, totally. And so do you personalize each email? Or are you like, this is, you actually take like an analysis and you're like, this is what you need to improve on. Let me help you. Like of the whoever you're emailing. I do for a good chunk of them. Like some people might argue like, oh, that's like too much time. However, you got to understand like what, how much they could like the potential value of that client. Right. So, you know, just take like your monthly rate times it by 12, let's just say. And like, I, I take that into thought when I'm like writing these emails. So it's not like a, you know, basic investment for them. This is not like, you know, $70, $100 a month. This is like, you know, it varies. It could be like up to 3000. It could be like 2000, you know? So um, I take a lot of consideration because I don't like to waste people's time either. Like I am a business owner myself or like my dresses. So if someone came to pitch to me, like why, you know, I should be giving them some money that would scale my business. I would, I would want to know like why, you know, and like, is it right. actually going to give me a return? So I, I'm very respectful in that sense where I want to make sure they actually gain value. I'm not just like being like, Hey, like I want you as a client, you know, like I genuinely believe, you know, and also I look out for like personality traits when I'm having a meeting with someone with a prospect, I actually do. I'm very mindful. And I tell, told my dad this too. And there's this principle you might know of, it's called the Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule where um, I focus on like 80% of my revenue comes from 20% of my customers. So that I apply that in my dress business, as well as my marketing agency in the sense of like, focus on the best revenue producing clients, like the people that don't give you stress at all. And I so for me, I look out for prospects, if they have a personality or a type of energy that doesn't really connect with me, I take that into account. And I don't just don't accept people even if they're paying me like, you know, I, even if it was 3000, like if I noticed that it could be a very stressful client, I actually sometimes decline. So that's something for people to take note of too, is like, know your, know your value, know your stance. And this is very good for dating too. Like if yeah. a guy doesn't work, like step away, be like, nope, I'm too good. Like, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so true. And like, I, it's okay to say like, actually, we're not going to be a good fit because the stress that it's going to cause you and also the, you're going to be miserable. It's not worth that money. You can actually be spending that time on a client that is paying you the same amount, but is actually enjoyable to work with, you know? So that's the freedom also of when you do run your own thing, you can say no to people, but it's so hard at first. It's, I feel like you want to say yes to everything. I know. I know. And, and I think something else too, is that's why I focus on like less clients um, and just like bigger income producing clients that are a really strong fit. So again, it does take patience. So if someone does want to go with that approach right off the bat, that usually is when you need to stay in your nine to five for maybe, you know, a couple of months or whatever. So you have that income. And then, you know, maybe you're working as a freelancer and you're doing this, but it's a big project where it is like 2000 a month, right? You want to focus on those clients and then build out a second client that's going to pay you two, 3000 a month. Then you have two clients at, you know, five, 6000 a month, which is definitely already like some corporate salaries, you know? Oh, totally. Or if not even more than some corporate salaries. Yeah. <laughs> You seem very organized, I feel like. What are some tools that you use to like run your business? Like I want really specific. Like I use like Gmail, I use Google Calendar. Like tell me everything that you use. <laughs> so planning my calendar and anything I share with like interns or like my team, it's Google Calendar for sure. Like that is 100% and I color coordinate it. So I make sure like anything related to the podcast is in a different color versus like when I'm going to the gym, like I just need to see these colors because for me, it, I'm a visual person. So I love to see, okay, this is what's the plan for the week and for the month. Like I always look at my calendar every week, like starting the first week. And then um, I also 
for when it comes to planning, I do plan my calendar on the Friday before instead of Sunday, because I do like to, like to just be extra ahead and know what's coming up on Monday before Sunday. So that is something I would admit I plan on Fridays. Um, anything like file sharing or anything related to that, I use Google Drive or Dropbox. Um, so that's really easy when you have a team too, you can just immediately share that. And another like organizer I use is called Trello. I don't know if you've heard of it, T-R-E-L-O. But it's a good way for me to visualize, again, kind of the projects or anything like my team is working on and anything that's kind of on their to-do. So it's really organized for them to be like, all right, this is what's due for this week or for the month. And they can just kind of work on it without me having to micromanage, which I freaking hate. (laughs) (laughs) How many people do you have on your team? Like what, who do you interact with, I guess, on a daily basis? Yeah, just two people. I and that's my plan too. And goal. I told my dad, like, I think it gets more stressful if you have a lot of people like working for you. I don't really want a lot of people working for me, let alone like I don't I think at most in the rest of my well, I mean, I'm saying this now, but I think hopefully I want to keep it to two to three at most, like and each person with their own designated role, like maybe someone doing a lot of like PR and outreach and or like account management for like the social media. Like I don't manage, you know, my podcast, Instagram or like elite skatewear, my dress business, I don't like do any of the social media anymore. Like I do have people that who work for me part time or like intern and they they do that for experience or whatever. But um, that is pretty much kind of just two people. And and I when I look at people who are potential, I also look at like long term goals too. like, okay, where do they want to be? Where do I want to be? Do we have a personality that connects? And for me, I think my goal is to hire someone full time, um, probably by like, a year from now. So that's kind of my goal is to be able to like literally pay someone a salary within a year, which would be really cool. <laughs> that would be so cool. You can set a deadline on it and then <laughs> take your own advice and <laughs> set those goals. No, but I love that. And then also something I want to talk about just because me and you have, I feel like gotten to know each other really well the past few months, I would say you're super, super multifaceted. Like those of you who don't know you, or who like don't listen to your podcast, like you love music, you love house music, you want to be a DJ, you also love entrepreneurship, but you want to do both. How do you like manage all of that, I guess? And like, where does that come in? Like, where when do you have time to like, fulfill your music career, like, work on that? Or like, I don't know, I'm just so fascinated by that. Because I feel so boring. Sometimes I'm like, I don't have any like, hobbies really that are like outside of what I do like I feel like everything I do is like what I enjoy or like I find a way to incorporate it but like music and like what you're doing I feel like is super different so how do you incorporate that into your life yeah so I would say like this even was during like school too like during college when people are like how do you have free time to do your business well that's the thing that's the keyword free time right like most people in their free time watch Netflix Hulu bachelor all that which is great and I'll indulge in it like here and there um but like funny enough like actually a fun fact I don't have a Netflix or Hulu or any kind of subscription I don't have cable TV it's been like that since junior year of college um pro- pretty much accidentally because my roommate and I neither of us wanted to like pitch in for a TV <laughs> so none of we didn't have a TV in our house and ever since then um I didn't watch TV so what did I do during my free time I would like blog or I'd like you know go create content or build you know, my business. And so same thing with me now, it's like, okay, now that my business is like actually work, which is replacing school, I like, you know, I have a piano back there. I don't know if you can see um, yeah. from my screen. Yeah. So I, I play piano in my free time. That's kind of how I like kind of let out stress too. So my, some people might like go up on their rooftop for a drink. And, you know, I might do that like here and there, but when I'm by myself, 
I will like do like play music or I'll like study music or, you know, last year during coronavirus, I was, you know, taking LSAT questions for fun. Like, I'm just like weird like that where I just need to be stimulated. I think I I swear I have like a little bit of ADHD or something where I'm like, I need to balance around to different activities. Um, and I'll joke with my parents like, oh, maybe it's like a gift from God. Like maybe I really am like, cause you know, no one was, everyone was like, how the frick are you so good at tennis and skating when I was a kid? I literally like, I'm not like bragging, I swear, but like, if you look at my record, I was like ranked number one in USTA tennis, uh, for all age divisions for central Pennsylvania from 12 through 18. And I was also competing in skating. I was like state champion, all that. And I I don't know what it is. I I do think it's a little bit of like ADHD or something where I'm like, I need something new. Like I'll get off recording podcasts and I'll be like, all right, let me go like, you know, play around like on the piano and like see if I can make some Kygo beats. You know, Kygo <laughs> is like an artist that inspires me and he is based off of the piano too. So I learned a course from him. My brother got it for me for Christmas and I would like play around on, um, you know, just like the production and I'd, I'd play the beats and be like, all right, this would be a good, it's like snare drum, all that. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I think for me, basically replace Netflix and, um, you know, maybe cut down one day of hanging out with your friend that you don't really need to hang out with and maybe like do something like that for yourself. Like I, I genuinely say like, that's what I do. Like after dinner, I'm like playing the piano or, you know, working on my computer, um, you know, to, to like make music. Like that's, that's literally what I do instead of watching Netflix or, or bachelor. I usually just watch bachelor recap. That's so funny that you're like, um, two hours, no, 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 bachelor recap instead. Yeah, you know, literally, that's, that's literally how I do it. But um, yeah, I think if people just replace like, you know, being on their phone to like scrolling on TikTok, like, I know you convinced me like to like, you know, look into TikTok and getting on there. But um, yeah, like, for example, that's probably something like just other things that people might trade time with me on is like, they might be on that, or they might be just doing something more chill, hanging out with friends, drinking, all that, which is great, right? But then it's just a trade-off. Like, you know, if you want to do something else with your life, you have to like make time for that too. But I also have to say that you are so funny in the way that like, even when you're like socializing, for example, like me and you went out to the bar and we went out very late. We like met so many people. And I feel like even when you're like at a bar or something, you're like networking. Someone's like helping you with your business or whatever. And I'm like, oh, how do you know that person? You're like, Oh, I met him at a bar. I'm like, wait, what? Like, how do you meet these people at bars? Like, where are you going? Where? Yeah, no, seriously. I And that's like so important. I think it's so important to like connect with people and like find what ties you to another person, like even at a bar or a restaurant. Remember we saw, what's his name? Kevin O'Leary. I wanted to pitch yeah. him so bad. <laughs> you were freaking out. It was so funny. We actually, we were going to, we were like a little bit late because we saw him and then like 10 minutes later, I'd say we were talking about it for like 10 minutes. We were like, should we, should we not? Should we, should we not? And we're like, all right, let's go. Actually, you were like, all right, let's go. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going. <laughs> and then, and then last thing you know, his posse left. Yeah. I was like, oh, frick, whatever. It wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And then we like tried to find him at Liv. We're like, wait, I think he's at Liv because he posted on Instagram. <laughs> but he was, he was at Liv and we showed up there. And I was like, it was, it was not the greatest like night for Liv because it was like an okay artist, but that was funny. That was a fun night. <laughs> it was. Next time you're in Miami, we'll do it again around two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I swear you can meet some really cool people, both New York, Miami. Like I met a lot of like friends like at post-college. Like a lot of my friends are just from those random interactions. Like I think I told you a story that I met this guy from who's like an investor at this, his party or something. And yeah, the whole like One Oak and the founders of ClassPass. Like, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was like- so random. <laughs> 
I just am amazed and I'm so inspired. Like even just talking to you right now, this episode like has really, really inspired me. So before we go, also, I want to ask what is like a book or like anything that you've read recently that you would recommend? Because I know that you have such great suggestions. Never ask my guests this, but like I know that you have good like book recommendations and we think a lot alike. So what's a recent book that you would recommend? Yes. One that I recently read is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, I think his name is Stephen Covey or something like that. Um, Great book. And I feel like that's a book everyone has read or maybe like has heard of, but like never picked up. I was one of those people until recently, finally read it. I, I love it. I think there's a lot of key habits in there that I've applied previously to reading it, but like it was re- very reinforcing to read. Um, and another great book that I think is underrated, it's called Principles by Ray Dalio. I read that at a time when I was in a rut in like junior year of college. And for me, it helped me learn like what my principles were or what values I lived by. So for me, it helped shape my character more, which also parlayed over into my friendships, my relationships and my business. So I think that's a great book to read if you feel like you need to kind of reevaluate you as a person and you want to have it impact all areas of your life. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for being on my show. Where can they find you? Yes. So my Instagram is just at Emily E. Duong. Duong is spelled D-U-O-N-G. And then my podcast is What Fulfills You Podcast. The Instagram is just What Fulfills You Pod. You can find that probably just all over my Instagram as well. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm about to be on her podcast. So I will link everything in the show notes. But this episode was amazing. So thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.